0: Everybody. Welcome to the second edition of Cult Following from the people who bring you Cult Classics AZ. I'm Victor Marino. Uh, in, in the studio we also have Kirby Nelson. How's it going? And our friend, producer, and all-around movie badass, Adam Rakowski. Uh, Hello? <laughs> so, today, uh, well, you know, we're going to talk about a lot about movies today. We're going to talk about pop culture, fun stuff, and, uh, you know, some of our best ofs now that we're in the year of our Lord, 2015. Uh, but, you know, for a second, we might uh, shoot the breeze a little bit and talk about, you know, what were we up to this week? Um, you know, uh, I guess what was going on lately uh, was the whole mess with uh, the interview, Uh, You know, uh, for those who don't know, how could you not know if you're a movie fan? I mean, really. Uh, Sony decided not to release the interview in a wide mainstream release, but then uh, a bunch of uh, indie theaters decided to pick up the slack and it became one of the biggest selling VOD releases ever. And did you guys get around to seeing that yet at all? Yes. I did too. Did you, Kirby? I unfortunately have not had a chance to check it out yet. Um, I'm going to say it without spoiling it that I think this was a really good movie that you should check out because it was
1: super funny. What do you think, Adam? I'm a l- just a little bit on the fence about that opinion. Really? What, yes. What didn't you like about it? Uh, it yeah. Maybe because I, I'm, I, there's a certain brand of humor mm-hmm. that I really have to warm up to. Really? And when you really get into the Seth Rogen type of brand of humor i associate that with kind of the drug culture the the pot culture okay and so i mean that's fair enough after this is the end obviously Right, which I thought was a, was also a fair movie. I wasn't completely blown away by it. Yeah, you know, I think there's Rapture Palooza. There was Pineapple
2: Express, Your Highness. You know, yeah, you, so, gotta, you,
0: know, like, you I, know, Rapture Palooza. I feel is a really underrated movie. Sure, it's pretty much the exact same movie as This Is the End. Yeah, with similar actors. Actually, one of they they share Craig Robinson. Right, you know, um, but you should check it out. Anna Kendrick is really funny, in it. and Thomas Lennon doing one of his awesome cameos as
1: a zombie. I just I think with a lot of like from the the Apato days to the you know the Seth Rogen on his own and the the rest of the troupe uh, maybe a little bit of the toilet humor is getting a bit too I don't know cliche I just like their just chemistry cliche. I do I love them yeah I think that's and why I thought I like. they were good and they were interesting to watch mm-hmm. I I don't know it just wasn't uh, it wasn't overall satisfying I did watch it to the end I will say this I will I don't have to watch it again okay and i don't have to own it i don't have to own it i did watch it twice though
0: i i thought the the recur there were some very funny recurring jokes involving uh the lord of the rings movies mm-hmm. and katy perry that are that were very well done in terms of <laughs> tying the movie together but uh yeah that was that was the big movie
2: kerfuffle that happened this week um i just find it interesting because i'm i'm straight edge and i love stoner movies you know, I, I, don't, I just want to say that like, it's weird. It's interesting that you touch on the drug culture thing. And I think a lot of people think I wouldn't enjoy those kind of films. But I find almost all of them absolutely hilarious. Oh, Rubs. I love Half-Baked. Oh, yeah, I was just favorite. about to say yeah. that. I was about to
0: interrupt <laughs> Kirby just to say, you know, Half-Baked is one of my favorite movies. And even though I'm not a pothead or a stoner at all, I, I really love that movie and Pineapple
2: Express. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love a lot of other ones that are kind of on that that line like super troopers obviously a lot of stuff that's come out of the years i mean and it also does kind of what you say in like juvenile humor and stuff and it it ends up working most of the time and that's why i enjoy it i i just think there's there's something you can do that's very um you know outside the lines with uh being uh, you know under the influence and it it can be very very funny but oh, sure. it has the potential and often can completely go off the rails so that's the give and take with those kind of movies so but I still good. want to see the interview so yeah. I will check it out yeah soon.
0: it's definitely worth a rental. That that's my uh roger ebert uh type rating of it thumbs up very (laughs) solid view in case you want to see uh you know something again it's not it's not citizen kane you know but it's it's a lot
1: of fun and sorry if you're hearing any ambient noise in the background that's just my cat bernadette just rubbing up against everything on the table yeah you're missing this
0: awesome the visual here of (sighs) uh this rad cat just jumping around (laughs) our equipment here which is it's fun cool cat daddy-o to finish the beat illusion. <laughs> um, so uh, now that we got a little bit of a small talk out of the way, we're gonna we're gonna get to the meat and potatoes, if you will, Dusty Rhodes, if you will, wrestling reference, uh, and we're gonna talk about 2014, the year in film excitement. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So, uh, all, all of us here at uh, our, the Cult Following Podcast have come up with uh, our picks for the best, worst, perhaps most disappointing of the year in film, media release, and other associated topics that cinephiles would be into. And we're going to get right into it. You know, a lot of award shows like the Oscars would just wait to get to what are the best movies of the year but that's where we're going to start off with so you know where we're coming from so all three of us are going to give you what do you think was the best movie of 2014 and let's start with
1: adam always starting out with me guardians of the galaxy no surprise from all my other cohorts or anybody that's been around me for the last few months since it came out in august Yes, just so much love. So much love. The Star Wars of this generation. I think that's a really apt description for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. You can't avoid it. You either love it or you hate it. It is what it is. I just don't see how you could hate Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, they're out there. They're haters. Really?
0: Uh, yeah. That's shocking. They're always. Um, yeah, I think this was probably like the biggest gamble of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh-huh. I mean... You know, we we like to act like comic book fans know what's up on the grapevine before anybody else. But let's be honest here: C- Guardians of the Galaxy, the comic book, not very popular, um, not anything that had a huge following. So we all thought, well, it's hopefully it'll make some money. And I'm a James Gunn fan. Yeah, you know, uh, James Gunn, he uh, did Slither, awesome cult movie, um, super. Yeah, super. I was about to get into that. Which, uh, if you want to see uh, Dwight from the Office, it's a psychopath who thinks he's a superhero trying to rescue his wife, Liv Tyler, from Kevin Bacon. This is the movie <laughs> for you. And he wrote a uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Mm-hmm. One of the only few good remakes, I would oh, argue. And, and Scooby Doo. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, is it part
2: one, you know, or just or monsters? I think he, I he, think did, he, monster, bro, he did monsters unleashed monster too. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. MPG rated porn, one yep, of the better porn. web web series, yeah. Oh, okay. Tromeo and Juliet. Tromeo mm-hmm. and Juliet, yep. Yeah, we have a lot of love for James Gunn yes. here at the podcast. I was just gonna say it's uh where to talk about the biggest gamble, yeah. Please not do not be Watchmen. That was I'm pretty <laughs> sure the gamble. There. I
0: really wanted to like Watchmen so much. I've still I feel like I've convinced myself that it's okay, but just um
1: it's tough to get through. On a
0: tangent, I mean, that movie really suffers from Matthew Good being Ozymandias. I mean, I I, I feel like I've gone into this in talking with you guys or other people before that um, I really feel that you needed somebody like a uh, Tom Cruise or a a, a a name actor to have been Ozymandias to really give that character the kind of gravitas he has. In the comic book, Ozymandias is basically supposed to be like... The most smartest popular hero in the world,
1: and Matthew Good basically played him like a Bond villain, which yeah, to me, it, they, like, ruined the movie. The character was flat, his performance was yeah. flat. You don't even really remember most of what he did or what his motivation was. Yeah,
2: and it's sad Until because. Until the very end when he becomes, like, on, you know, he's unveiled as a villain, whereas opposed. Where it could have been the, yeah, like the buildup of being like a dem- human demigod, you know, kind of thing. Not just literally in powers, but in public persona and perception.
0: Yeah, yeah the big the big reveal true. in the comic is that Ozymandias has like a little man complex. And you get, there's no reveal of that in the movie. You get that right from the get-go that he's not very special. Yeah. Which is why you're picking Tom Cruise to play him the ultimate <laughs> I, man I, I think it comics. really would have worked. Like, um, what's that Michael Mann movie he's in with Jamie Fox? Collateral? Uh, Collateral? Yeah, something like that, where Tom Cruise really plays well against Type, but I might get into that later with another pick. Right. Um, but yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy
2: is a very solid pick. I, I agree with that. All right, uh, Kirby? Well, as. We had a little bit of a discussion beforehand. I have multiple personality disorder <laughs> in many ways. And I simply can't ever choose on something that I, you know, really, really enjoy. So I had to divide mine between, you know, your kind of mainstream release, your more limited underground release, and then movies um, released in Albania. Yeah, yeah. There's that too. Yeah. Always. <laughs> um, but I mean, definitely for my mainstream pick is without a doubt Guardians of the Galaxy. And the reason I picked it is um, is a lot of the reasons that we already just discussed, but I think a huge part of it is, is that I hate the term feel-good movie, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I have not walked out of a movie and felt that good in a long time. I actually really enjoy, like, really downer and ambiguous endings to any movie, regardless of genre. But with um, Guardians, it's exactly what I want in a movie, and I just don't see films like that anymore. I... I just don't the you don't go to the cinema and see something and it feels like especially with marvel movies a lot of people are like well this was the most amazing film i saw this year or so important or it just it hit every spot and i'm like no there was something missing in right. guardians there was nothing missing everything was what i wanted action comedy an actual um you know real connection, humanity, you know, uh with people and it just it ended up working on so many levels and I do think, you know, it will be one that will last, especially out of the Marvel Universe down the line. This Marvel Cinematic Universe I think people will actually remember that.
0: Yeah, I think it really stands on its own. It doesn't necessarily... Like, I feel like it stands on its own not being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Exactly. I mean, you have, you know, reference to Thanos, which, again, most people, I, I would think, didn't even know that was Thanos at the end of Avengers. But, um... I, I, I honestly after watching that I was like man I, I really feel Marvel missed the boat by um you know offing Ronan the accuser because he was such a strong character who was in that movie um but I'm excited to see where they go with
2: that
1: yeah uh, no.
2: mm-hmm. um, on the underground tip uh, Victor actually mentioned in a conversation a bit ago um, that uh, you know I'm I'm mainly a horror aficionado I mean that's my primary love in life and this was not the best year for horror (laughs) it It was it was most definitely a very uh full year i mean there's been a ton of releases and can talk about that the only one i missed a ton this year is we may discuss a bit down the line but the one i did catch and i'm really glad i got the opportunity to see it in the theater and get that experience was um the babadook I really didn't And I haven't it. seen that, and I'm yeah. taking myself. It is, um, it is a really well-done film. I don't think it reaches the heights, but as The Exorcist is my favorite film of all time, and William Friedkin says it's the scariest film, the Exorcist director said that uh, The Duke was the scariest film he's seen in decades. Uh, you know, it was definitely a lure, and it works on a lot of levels, mm-hmm. um, and it was really good. And then there's... Quick device of one is is that because uh, I did see it a bit ago and it finally got released this year uh, or in 2014 on uh, on DVD is my favorite film definitely was the other one I throw out is found which mm, is I, uh, I'm not familiar with that movie yeah it's a real dark coming of age kind of horror film and uh, I saw it at a film fest uh, actually at International Horror Sci-Fi Film Fest here in Phoenix and just absolutely adored it. Uh, And it finally got released, and I just, there's no words I can put in to express how blown away by found I was, and still am. It still shakes me to my core. It's probably one of the only horror films I've seen in the last, like, 10 years. If you even want to call it horror, it could be called just a really dark coming-of-age film, but it just works on a multitude of levels, and... Is just absolutely breathtaking. So can't recommend yeah, yeah, it up. Yeah,
1: and part of the reason why I wanted to do the you know the best of kind of list of uh, of our movies is then I can start writing down the ones that I haven't uh, seen yet. That's smart from you guys, I'm writing that down, <laughs> jot that down, jot <laughs> it. Um, so I guess now we've hit me.
0: So uh, I, I I'm gonna buck the trend on Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I do enjoy it, but I'm just going to pick a different movie I really enjoyed this year that I don't I don't think it got the love that it should have based on uh the lead actor in it and you know his track record in movies of late but to me the best movie of 2014 hands down was john wick um if you guys have not seen john wick um i would feel that it's one of those few movies that it will it's a really a revelation on how to do a modern revenge movie, it has a very simple plot where Keanu Reeves plays an ex-assassin who gives up the life of being a Russian, you know, enforcer um, to settle down with his wife, who very soon thereafter passes away. And to help him get through the grieving process, she gets him a little puppy and a Russian dickhead played by. Um, uh, Alfie Allen, Lily Allen's brother and also known as Theon Greyjoy <laughs> in Game of Thrones breaks into his house to steal his car and kills his dog and then the rest of the movie is <laughs> fu- fucking headshots left and right. It's It's... I make, I'm making it sound really simple, but it's just, there's so but much pain. But it's pathos. like wholly
1: satisfying.
0: Oh, it's wholly satisfying. It does the same thing I feel Gardens of the Galaxy did for comic book movies, where it just puts you in this fully realized universe, where like, I, I, and just to, for our listeners out there, I love movies that just put you in a fully realized universe where things are the way they are, and they don't really bother to explain oh, wow, it. Oh, yep. And in in the universe of John Wick, there's a hotel called the Continental where um, there's apparently some kind of truce between mercenaries, and it's like a safe haven. There's a um, they have their own kind of, like murder cleaning service, and you pay with everything with these gold coins. Never explained, but it's just kind of awesome, and I would love to see more movies set in this universe. Keanu Reeves is just really awesome in the film there's tons of cameos from um actors you usually don't see um one of the bit parts is played by the guy who played um t-bird in the crow and i was like oh my god that's <laughs> t-bird from the crow um willem defoe plays a good guy um the main villain is uh the um the journalist from the Swedish dragon tattoo. Um, John Leguizamo has an awesome cameo in it as a chop shop guy. Um, it also has,
1: a wow. Someone was taking notes. No,
2: I, I just <laughs> know a lot of, yeah, I feel like I didn't go in it up and my film pair I like found. Yeah. It's not really good. You didn't talk much about it, but yeah, that's great. I'm just trying
1: to sell it. I just, think yeah, it's no, really- I think I, one of my trepidations is when it, when it came out, I was already just kind of like, you know they're the equalizer you had all the you know the walk among the tombstones you had you know taken one and two mm-hmm. taking threes coming out pretty soon and this is and, so you know, much better
0: than all of them
1: well and, and right but yeah. yet again i just was like well i don't even i don't want to necessarily go and and mm-hmm. see it but then after coming to like the next cult classics after that after everyone saw it in the, mm-hmm. the troop, there uh kirby you have not seen it right I have not okay it's- yeah so uh, excluding Kirby and myself from that I mean like even you know Allison's kind of going have you have you seen John Wick yet yeah. No. And, and then someone else independently would come at me. Have you seen John Wick yet? No, I haven't. Yeah. Do they say in that voice. <laughs> no, yes. it, it
0: kills me. Cause I actually, it's like, check, Hydra. I check, uh, voodoo really often to see if it's on video and demand yet. So I can buy it just so I can be like, ah, oh, God, I need to own this movie. So I could watch it like a dozen more times and just find more little like visual things in there that I like. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the things about the movie is uh, it was directed. By um one of the, uh, f- I think fight choreographers from The Matrix, or or like a uh, or one of Keanu's movies. So like all the fight scenes in the movie are like s- just like really lush, like and they're like super realistic. Like uh, in the terms of a movie, I mean you're having gunfights where all the characters stop to reload. You know, it's just very cool to look at visually and like i said i love all the weird cameos it even has kevin nash playing a russian mob enforcer which is totally a riff on the russian mob enforcer he plays in the punisher so it's just little things like that that if you're a fan of action movies and if you're a fan of just like well-written movies in general like the whole subplot with his wife is very reminiscent of the gray so i would say it's like almost like an action Fantasy movie with shades of like the gray and all that in there. I I, I can't recommend it enough.
1: So. Yeah, no, I I know that's that's you know one of those I want to see mm-hmm. for sure. It's on my list. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the
0: uh, next category. So those are our best movies. So now you can get on board. But <laughs> you know, just in case you haven't had enough, we also have a top five overall movies of the year, and that's why we haven't been cutting each other off. So we're gonna start with. I guess we can go. We can start with Kirby this time. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, what were aside from your top
2: pick? What are your other top five movies of the year? Well, it's interesting that the one thing I wanted to say because definitely the first one uh, out of my list is is that there what we didn't, kind of when we started talking about maybe what we should do for this episode, we were talking about you know one of the categories or you know in the sketchbook I didn't think about to layer was uh, most surprising film that you saw sure, the one that you were most, you know, didn't didn't go in expecting much. And I can say without a doubt for me, that was Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Absolutely didn't expect anything. I saw it at a dollar theater and I'm not a big sci-fi kind of guy. Uh, And it's weird when you're talking about, you know, Keanu Reeves being kind of unlikable, the the leads and Tom Cruise also has suffered from that, you know, where people are just like, you know, I'm not interested in what you're doing. But this film, so well written so well acted and if you were interested in you know um science fiction if you're interested in any of i mean any film in the last maybe 10 20 years that you know talks about you know time travel um you know some of those those kind of elements this film just worked on so many levels mm-hmm. uh it, it's got a great uh, dose of comedy from just the ludicrous nature of what's going on um but tom cruise nails it everybody does in the film just really works well together um set pieces look great um well giving a huge amount of waves nobody's ever seen it but um the um the invading alien creatures look incredible i mean this is definitely one i i just can't recommend enough so it was it was it
1: it vacillated on my list quite a bit my top Mm -hmm. five Reason being, it was a surprise to me, and for as much as I say that I hate Tom Cruise, there's a lot of movies that I have seen that I've liked Tom Cruise in more than the movies that I've seen him in that I've hated him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that aside, if I see Tom Cruise in a title role, I'm apt to just look away initially, but what I liked about that film is there there were certain tones that it hit that were just spot on at just the right time and kind of opened up into other characters who you didn't think were going to play a major part yeah. but end up doing and it's just kind of like cool it's like oh wow this actually has dimension to it
0: oh yeah no it definitely has that going on and in- uh, like I sort of touched on earlier and I'll probably touch on it more since on m- my list as well is that uh, I feel Tom Cruise always does best in movies where he plays against type and this is definitely one of those movies you know uh, we all have the idea of Tom Cruise as a smarmy asshole, you know, just based on, you know, public incidents. But um, he doesn't ever really play that in a movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie, he starts off by playing a smarmy asshole and he actually has a character arc, you know, so I found that really refreshing.
2: Mm-hmm. It was interesting too because uh, a year or two ago, too, I also enjoyed Jack Reacher, which I never thought. I never read any of the book series that's based upon, but, um, you know, just kind of an interesting. It just worked, um, you know. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie It later. wasn't like. Fabulous. I wouldn't say I enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed Edge of Tomorrow, but it's pretty close. But the the thing I'll segue into that on Edge of Tomorrow is, is that I also enjoyed the social commentary in it without being heavy handed. I mean it, it touches on really, you know, the themes of war and um you know, suffering and, and death and, you know whatever you know, it can be interpreted in multiple ways, but it worked. Um, the next film on my list that I really enjoyed um, was um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Now I loved Rise as well, um, but again, uh, that's the first thing I'd say. The social commentary, the um, you know philosophical issues presented in it, were just ended up working. And then the set pieces were incredible, like mm. absolutely blew me away. And you know, it's just one of those things where I um, I just don't go to uh, you know. Uh, the big budget blockbuster stuff is just not as much that's why I was so surprised by Guardians and that's why I'm kinda surprised by these couple films that I'm leading off with that were just not what I was expecting to be as um you know as good and you know so that one just worked for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, primate primates on on horses with guns <laughs> is just it's, it's, it's a classic awesome. image. I mean it's just to tell you, just it. to tell you how many strong movies are on I like that one is just
0: one that I'd blanked on I did see that movie in theaters and I was like, Yeah, that's a really good mo-. I mean it tells you a lot that most of that movie is CGI, but in the first I think half hour or twenty minutes,
2: there's no dialogue. Yet it seems completely real. Exactly. I also think this is another performance, um, andy circus just you know this the motion capture systems um what people are able to do because i've always been a practical effects guy that's what i'm into that's why i was raised on Mm -hmm. i mean i think in fantasy films and certain other films superhero films i think cgi is necessary but i'm always been interested in the ways and some films that have been coming out where they just have them all blended together and, you know, they pick when it's right instead of when maybe they think audiences would be like, that's what I want there. They yeah. say, you know, no, we're actually going to put in what we feel works. So Yeah, and the fact that,
0: uh, you know, a lot of these CGI movies, uh, at least the bad ones that don't hit the mark... Um, just seemed like a product like put out by a company meant to like sell toys but uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes I mean you really felt like these characters like had an inner life going on even the
2: villainous ones like uh, Koba you know yeah. yeah his um, his Al Jocelyn moment also was incredible mm-hmm. if they, yeah, yeah that was a, a good touch on the social commentary, commentary. there. yeah without a doubt you know, and I, I haven't seen
1: either of them
0: Oh, Oh, you would probably really like Rise of the Planet of the Apes.
1: I I have to. uh, I for some reason I just I have to separate myself from certain films because I'm so attached to the originals. Mm -hmm. Even though I've heard like really good things about both of them, especially the last one that came out. Yeah. Um. I just I have to find the time where I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. See, here's here's what I think. I honestly think these movies play
0: into those movies perfectly. Like it's one of the few instances where I could see these as legit prequels to the 60s planet of the apes movies Oh, and that's what i hear too and and they're doing it really smart like i'm honestly and here's why it's probably a good pick uh, i think to have on a top list this really feels like a big budget like art movie i mean i can't really think uh, it's to me i was really impressed by fox for you know the first half hour of this movie is just like ape culture speaking sign language i mean i feel for fox that was like a huge you know uh test of faith in the filmmaker
2: there well i think who directed that movie do you know i think it i can't remember off the top of my head but it is it's not quite like an apocalyptico level of you know but it is true that's a great point that i hadn't i hadn't touched on but it's very true i mean especially in the whole you know you you have to have the michael bay kind of level of excitement and you know on-screen chaos and so for there to be a part maybe where there's still you know action going on there's a visual bombast to have still it be focused on um, their own language um, mannerisms and stuff especially okay. chimpanzees which and, and uh, bonobos that really do speak yeah, well to I their think, facial expressions. Yeah, Adam's looking, at, but I think, isn't it Matt Reeves
0: who directed? And yes. Matt Reeves, who we talked about in the last podcast, is the guy who directed
1: Let Me In. Yes. And oh, wrote yeah. it. That was a, yeah. Yeah, did the draft. Yeah. Wrote it and then directed it. Yeah. I,
0: I think he's also the guy who directed Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Yeah. So he's a good director, and I like that he's doing... Felicity. Something. Well, he's he's from the bad robot oh camp, my,
1: oh my so
2: God. all those guys started off doing yeah. like Felicity. Well, yeah, aliens. especially like
1: with the Cloverfield, that yeah. was, that was like their big big outing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I, I'll keep running them through since I know everyone's yeah. got a list. Um, again, not trying to sound like, of course, a cinephile George Wallace and not have to <laughs> segregate everything, but I um, in mainstream uh, the other ones that say is that um, it's weird. Uh, you know, big year of comic book movies or big blockbusters, but I did enjoy a lot on the mainstream tip. Um, I did like X-Men Days of Future Past enough to put it on my list. I didn't think X2 is still my favorite, and these are the only two films I felt worked. Um, not perfectly, but it definitely picked up its track record because it's just not been that great. Um, uh, probably the only comedy on my list, I really actually enjoyed 22 Jump Street. <laughs> and I did I thought, not see that. I thought 21 Jump Street was amazing. 22 Jump Street is so like meta like it's just insane <laughs> like how the That's level, why I couldn't get through it. Yeah, the level they go through. Um but you know just good acting and stuff everybody stepped it up I I enjoyed it. I laughed a lot during that film and that's the thing I most comedies I've seen I saw in the theaters this year I really you know, I may chuckle there's something I laughed a bit but that's the only one I can remember actually laughing and I do enjoy a good comedy so yeah that may work and then I, I really have ballot up on the mainstream ones um, I just saw Lord of the Rings in IMAX and you know I want to say it's one of my favorite movies here because actually I do enjoy it. And I enjoy Lord of the Rings The Hobbit not nearly as much and it's just return of the King's. So, King are you saying you saw Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit? I'm confused here. No, I'm sorry. Saying I saw. Uh, apologies. I saw <laughs> Lord, uh, the Hobbit: Battle of the Five Armies. Okay. And uh, and it just it worked enough that like I want to include it. It's the same way. I kind of have a a tepid feeling with um, same one with uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier those would round it out somewhere there because both of them i liked enough um and i know people love both movies a ton for different reasons um i just had a hard time rounding out my mainstream. so i guess and then in my underground list um another one that was kind of hard um i'll just rattle off a couple quick that um i'm sure some other people here will talk about so um uh Jodorowsky's Dune was by far, I love documentaries just unbelievable yeah, I think that I, was the best documentary Definitely the there. best documentary um we were talking a little bit before this, I thought Snowpiercer was an incredible idea and execution. Um, you know, uh, a little bit of a gamble one was Odd Thomas. Um, I thought that one worked, which is just well, kind of I didn't of even up. think of that because I was... I have not seen that. Well, that keeps popping up is... Yeah, that was kind of a distribution on hell. Netflix. yeah but Yeah. And I really then, enjoyed that. And then on um, the only other one, I, uh, a couple I can say is that I saw that one big, odd one that came out that I didn't expect to enjoy very much was a Redbox rental, which is 13 Sins, um, basically which is a remake of the film 13 Game of Death. Um, huh. And it's uh, it just ended up being good. Like, not perfect, but, and that's the thing here, is that once I got out of my best movies and that top list, I had a hard time gathering them. And then the other surprise I can say is a Netflix instant one that I really enjoyed was um, Contracted. Um, which is, I think, yeah, which I, just really just like got under my skin, and that was, I think, its intention. Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's just such didn't did, did just not to cut. No, you off, please go right I mean, ahead, man. Did, did you see antivirus? I have not seen Antivirus yet. I, I think you would like that movie. I did see another one too that was Afflicted was also another Netflix or Redbox one that was kind of interesting, uh, especially for a found footage film. Um, enjoyable. So it's, it's just weird. I, I don't mean to sound so scrambled and and jumping all over and stuff, but when it came down to this list, it was like, I have my couple like Edge of Tomorrow and uh, um, you know Dawn of the Planet of the Apes I was ready to talk about and a couple from the Underground, but I just felt like... Oh, this it's tough. Yeah, this yeah. Yeah, it just—it really was tough. really hard to pick stuff because I'm like, I, you know, people will be like, "Hey, did you love it? Did you love it?" And it's like, no, man, I liked it, and that's the kind of relationship I have with well, films d- now. D- d- a segue lot
1: into too. that. I had. Where is my thingy? Off mic. Off my, Adam's getting his list. Well, I, I, I when I was looking at the IMDb for 2014, here's a couple little factoids in between getting back to on topic. But the, but IMDb, I know that when they have their lists of you know the movies that released in 2014, it's very broad. Um, but they said that there was 12,251 titles released in 2014. Wow, wow, uh, that could really mean anything. That's but, true factoid that i thought was was most amusing five of those began with a hashtag so there are five movies I, released last year with a hashtag i think i saw one at best buy like uh it was like a horror
0: movie called like sex tape not to be confused with the comedy sex tape yeah i think you're right yeah but it, i mean that's what we're getting into now it's like let's see 90s, that's the only ones like there that a began. lot of movies like fear.com right yeah you know, it's just playing on the culture. So, do you want to do your list now? I I can. Yeah,
2: like should man.
1: <clears throat> Frank.
0: Ah, that is a really solid. I just can't
1: I can't get enough of Frank. So that's Michael Fassbender, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and a couple other people peppered in there. But those are the two main peop- people that you would recognize. Um, this movie should have been made in like 1998 because it reminds me so much of when i was in bands and we were doing our things and we we're just making weird music and hanging out and doing stuff and then there is always somebody in the group that was just a little bit off kilter but it's 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 bittersweet it's um i've described it as kind of a, a, a like the commitments type of movie yeah where you just kind of throw everybody together and you just see what happens um so it has its funny moments it has its somber moments you know it has its uplifting moments it has its downer moments. It's just very well put together. And Michael Fassbender acting through uh, this paper mache head mm-hmm. um, and his story arc. And everybody else is in the surprising little moments. I, I really like it. all the commentary that movie has going on about social media. Yeah. It's oh, one absolutely. of those things
0: that, like, once you realize it's happening, you want to go back and watch it again to, like, catch it right from the get go. Right. And um, there's a, a Scottish actor on that uh, who has a really interesting name. I think it's like dominic is, it starts with a g but uh he's the main i guess suppose antagonist but also lead in that he does the voiceover for the right. film and um he's a really interesting actor that i can see uh doing a lot more work um you might have seen him he was also the um he was also in dread uh he was uh, the building operator that works for mama and, oh, uh, he was with the eyes. Yeah, and okay. uh, he's also on an episode of the Son BBC of oh, the Channel Four show uh, Black Mirror. It's uh, one episode where it has.
1: Um, oh yeah, my wife is like totally into that. that She's like, you movie. have to watch that.
0: <laughs> the episode he's on it it has a uh, the girl who plays uh, Agent Carter in the uh, Marvel universe. Yeah, I like her, and days. I look.
1: I'm looking forward to that show too because yeah. I really I like how she plays that part. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one on my list. Is Nightcrawler? The okay, Jake so you. Jill- said, Jake I, Jill- I Jill- want to know now. about this because I, I wanted to see this movie, but I don't she really, really know much to see about this it. One as well. <sighs> so tell us about Nightcrawler. It's about a very ambitious individual who will do anything. To get the story out there, get the uh, recognition, um, be the number one person. It reminds me of, of a lot. Again, it, it kind of ties in with Frank where these kind of people are just a little bit off kilter in their brain. Yeah, the trailer like kind of reminded me of Taxi Driver. For a little bit, yes. There, there is a bit of that because everything that Jake's character done it does is completely justified in his own mind and that always makes a really interesting character so he thinks every single little thing that he's doing is right even if it's stepping over that line you know the moral code or ethic code uh, he doesn't. He doesn't necessarily see it. He's trying to get the best story, um, and get the best footage, no Which matter in what. Media
2: is completely. That's why I was most yeah. interested in seeing. It is like that is media to TMP. People can say that's the way it's always been, but in the age of social media, where information is disseminated so quickly and forgotten mm-hmm. almost instantly, mm-hmm. like you have to be not one step ahead, but ten steps. Yeah. And um, what I saw in that trailer, because I still haven't seen the movie, but. It almost started becoming that like, um, you know, we're gonna follow, we're gonna be like, you know, we're gonna chase the police blotter, we're gonna find, you know, we're gonna find them until we're gonna go go either find the stories or make them. You know, you get start getting that. Like, yeah, grayer it's kind gray. of it's kind of that whole immersive kind of news vibe that
0: you get from like vice or like you know TV nation with Michael Moore like you know 10 15 years ago and it a lot of movies are touching on that in terms of content lately I think that's one of the reasons well, I'll get into that later in terms of movies that touched on that but didn't really do much with it
1: yeah and you know what it, it there it, it plays out really well mm-hmm. um, there might be a couple little missteps here and there but it it recovers Where you think, like, I don't know if this is going in the direction that I want it to. But then, when it kind of, like, breaks over the edge, when it's kind of a normal conversation, it kind of picks it up and justifies itself in the back end. So, the actions that he's doing, as opposed to the conversations that he might be having with another character, it all ties in. So, what they were doing with story, and what they were doing with dialogue, completely independent from each other all tied in so okay. it, it all paced itself in the same way and came to a like resolution yeah. and you're just kind of like well what the heck okay i, I was just played for the sucker basically you know and i and i can't keep my eyes off of it but it's not like a tmz movie it's not where it's like paparazzi yeah you know th- these are news stories he's just trying to oh, get, okay like, you know, yeah i was
0: thinking it was going to
1: be yeah a so it's TMZ not pop- no. kind of thing no um so which i i think is you know that's what i thought it was going to be but for the better it's not. Uh next on my list we're going to kind of lighten it up a little bit Muppet's Most Wanted. Oh okay. uh, I know you, uh, it, you're a big Muppets guy. I love the Muppets. I go in weeping watching it. It's just so overwhelming for me. Uh there's really not a whole lot you have to say about Is it Muppets better Muppets Most than hunted. the last Disney
0: Muppets movie?
1: I loved the Muppets. The 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 first one with uh What's his face Jason, and what's it um, and, and Amy Adams and Jason um What's his face? Seagull. Seagull, yeah. Thank you. Um, I love the music in the first one. And then when I saw Muppets Most Wanted, I was expecting that same level because the music in the the Muppets I thought was really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second one kind of catered to, I I, I thought it was a little bit flat and it just catered to the situations at the time. Um, But it, it all felt like one note. Yeah. But in repeated viewings, once I saw it again, and and once I left the theater, and then the songs kind of get under your skin, uh, I didn't feel that way anymore. So I I have not seen Muppets Most Wanted. All I, is this? All I've heard is is this a movie that has evil Kermit in it? Yes, Constantine. Okay. And uh, Ricky Gervais, um, he's like the 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 partner to Constantine. And they're doing like it's—it's kind of a throwback to uh, you know Muppets Take Manhattan, um, or uh, well, just like you know the older ones. I'm trying to remember Great Muppet Caper, more like Great Muppet Caper, where they're trying to heist. Does it feel more like a uh, Jim Henson? It is more Jim Henson-y okay. than I would say the first Muppets film. first Muppets film felt a little glossy okay, and kind of self-serving a little bit. Hmm.
2: So um, I to work with the, um, you are talking about the music, you were honing in on that. So in the previous Disney Muppets film, it was kind of a mix between the original songs that the Muppets is known for and like the classic Henson Muppets. And then you had some more modern tunes and stuff like that, like selections. Right. Like, how did, it, so how did it work in Muppets Most Wanted? Was it just. They, the, the song just felt a little flat,
1: a little one note, um, not as, I guess, robust and dynamic and operatic, uh, maybe? Okay. Or maybe a beat or standalone. They didn't really stand alone. It's like you could probably take every single song in Muppets Most Wanted, bump them up right next to each other, and it would just seem like one long song. Huh. That's interesting. Um, and I don't know if that's the nature of the guys. Who was it? The um, they had a TV show. Play the Concord. I think it's a Concord guys that yeah. did it. Oh, okay. That's so it's it's just kind of very, but you know. Um, But it's still good. Like I said, the songs get under your skin and then... Uh, you start are realizing are they actually in the, like is Jermaine Clement in the yeah. movie oh okay yeah he's like one of the prisoners oh okay that's cool up. I enjoy him in a,
2: in a variety of movies it's interesting too, Eagle versus Shark oh. everybody <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting though to say on that one quick note is that with like the Muppets um, it's interesting and I guess this can be kind of discussed a little bit later but it's amazing um, one of the reasons I didn't see that is because it went out of theater so fast and right. it's interesting now I don't ever download movies at all i mean definitely not legally and that's not some you know hey law enforcement or whatever fbi it's not all like that i'm just i i want to support whatever i'm interested in um but a lot of films just go so quickly now the one thing that victor has um really clued me in on which i know has existed for a while but the methods of distribution are so much better and the quality is with vod and Mm -hmm. you know the different methods big vod convert so i'm trying to get into that more because uh just like you were saying that's how i saw the interview i I got on vod yeah right well you were saying with your list of movies yeah you can take but even if you took a fourth of that like you know three thousand movies i mean how am i even going to see you know 10% 10% of that ever. I mean, right. it's just, it really is, um, you know, not impossible, but I, I just don't have the time. So it's like um, I have to figure out balancing. And that's the same thing that happened with Nightcrawler. Um, in both those films, I remember it did not do well box office-wise, um, but I never even remember a huge, um, uh, like, dollar store or dollar theater um, second run for it so it's like you know now i really do have to go to vod to wait because i'm just not sure if i want to make the investment purchasing them because that's one thing i have had to um for numerous reasons uh cast aside is that i used to do a lot of blind buying and i just can't do that anymore yeah i used to do that too yeah yeah so uh x-men days of future past
1: was also on there we already had that one on Kirby's list, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was the one that was kind of, kind of floating, um, with, uh, edge of tomorrow, but, um, just a, just a really solid X-Men film that just kind of brought it all, brought the past back and, and did a good job of, of, of bringing in, uh, the story again and the characters again and just the coolness of it. Um, is that Sony? Are those is who has X Men right now? X Men is Fox. Fox. Okay. Sony. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, the X and they do yeah. the at the beginning. Yeah, with the X that's left over. So I mean, luckily that they they got Singer back and they and I thought they did a really good job. Don't know if he's coming back for the second he one. He is. He is. Okay. Good. Uh, and then Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, is my last that's, one. That's a good one. And that one stayed on my list. Um, it's it's not something that I would just normally put in on just a Sunday afternoon it's it, just like the rest of his films uh, it, it's sometimes a little bit hard to swallow just in one sitting Yeah. but boy that one just moves really fast and nice and clean um, yeah. I think when I was telling my I told my mom to see it uh, my dad didn't really know what to think of it but uh, the way that I sold it to her I said you know this more so feels like a Coen Brothers movie and I can see that. Just cuz of the fast paced kind of slap stickiness of it, you know, like a Hudsucker Proxy or, you know, Raisin Arizona, but a little bit, you know, obviously more refined and 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 even more artful uh in my opinion. So that's my top 5. So it's Frank Nightcrawler, Muppet's Most Wanted, X-Men Days of Future Past, and uh, Budapest. Grand okay. Budapest Hotel.
0: All right. So I will I will get to my top, top 5. I will try to be succinct succinct in talking about some of these did we already cover a few um well no i've I've actually i had a few that were honorable mentions but i've kind of adjusted the list just so we could get a big breath of titles so um i'm gonna start with uh my number five movie which um i didn't really think i would like this movie the very idea of it seemed um stupid to me (laughs) uh, i can't wait to hear what it is uh, on premise just because i you know i don't play the video games or haven't used these things in so long but my number five movie was the lego movie oh and um the lego movie i have to say is easily probably one of the best licensed movies of i've ever seen i i feel like it really like it's a universal movie that's no, they're gonna, killing it lego oh, is that's gonna it. have like a long universal life that's gonna be like a movie people look back like 10 20 years from now is like one of their favorite movies ever i, I think it really solidified chris pratt's year as like you know oh, yeah, man of the year man. Yeah. um and it, uh basically if you haven't seen the lego movie it's um it's the unit the, the, the overarching it's about uh little boy um who's very imaginative and he has an OCD dad who plays with legos and most of and they have a conflict and most of it takes place in kind of this imaginary land with a little nobody lego guy played by chris pratt and how <laughs> Uh, the evil Lego stand in for his dad, um, who's played by Will Ferrell, is trying to like take over the Lego universe by gluing everything together with super glue so it can't be messed with. And it's just a simple story, but man, I, I'm not going to lie. I've seen that movie at least six or seven <laughs> times this year. It's just, I own it on on VOD and Blu ray. So it's just like, it's uh, you know, if I want to just watch something light and have fun with it, it's like Lego movie gets on my list every time yeah and uh, I have to say um, Lego Batman in that movie it's um, the guy who plays job
2: on Arrested Development and man he's awesome it's like yeah I was just gonna say the uh when I saw it I mean that's one thing too I'd say that I mean it's the post Pixar world and DreamWorks and stuff but I mean really hitting well with humor Across the board. I mean, yes, adults, it's maybe more adult centric, but mm-hmm. kids still pick up on it. But the Batman performance absolutely just killed in that one. And I mean, just the, um, but I, I really, it's funny that you, you know, the way you, the, um, Presented it with the wraparound story. It had a very nice like '80s feel, almost in a way like a never-ending story kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it feels very timeless. Yeah, and it worked really, really well. Um, and just great. You know, a lot of inside jokes and stuff, and a lot of um. But even funny things like the "Everything Is Awesome" song, and oh yeah, you know it just gets stuck in your head for hours. And the world that it creates is just—it worked. It um, it really did. Yeah, and it's totally—it totally
0: feels like how. I mean, it reminded me of how I played with toys as a kid, where like Batman would like, you know, fight with the Star Wars guys and everything. Like a very cohesive kind of universe. You know, Um, so my number four pick. Now that I got animated films out of the way, uh, my my favorite uh, comic book related movie of the year is Captain America: Two, The Winter Soldier, and I just to me it's very rewatchable. It's like kind of the you know we're past the sort of origin story of superheroes, and we're getting now to the point where like we can actually have like. Mature stories that evoke the comic books mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the Captain America story, uh, Captain America 2 stories like what happens when Captain America's living in this modern kind of like post NSA Edward Snowden world where we don't really know where bad guys aren't black and white, they're shades of gray, and you know. There's a lot of cool character moments in here. Um, I think Chris Evans really makes Captain America his own in this movie. Uh, Robert Redford plays against type as this kind of like evil guy. And then there's just all these little parts... Um, just uh arnim zola is an evil supercomputer from the 60s just like just tickled me because i love like 60s <laughs> spy movies and just had shades of like you know diabolic or even like austin powers and oh, like yeah. flint kind of vibe to it but I, I to me that's one of my favorite uh comic book movies ever and i just really enjoyed that and i watched that movie a lot um Now, getting more into my genre picks, my number three movie for sort of um, my favorite sci-fi movie of the year is uh, Snowpiercer. And uh, Snowpiercer was a movie that the Weinsteins were fighting with the director, I think. Was this Park Chan-wook? No. No, it wasn't. It's another South Korean uh, director. This is going to be my recurring thing on... Cult following where I can't remember <laughs> South Korean film director's names. Um, How dare you? <laughs> You're waging a roar against the South Korean. Yeah. Third time I can't remember South Korean film director. Junho Bong. Oh yeah, Jun Bong Junho. Yeah, Bong Junho. Um so this movie played really well in Europe and Asia and then when the Weinsteins got the distribution to it, they wanted to recut it and no surprise. Yeah, and basically they lost the war here. They released his version and it turned out to be like a really successful independent release. And if you haven't seen Snowpiercer, also has Chris Evans in it. <laughs> um it's a very uh, it's based on a Japanese manga of all things. And it's about a self sustaining train that uh circles around a post apocalyptic world, and then it's also a class struggle where the people who live at the back of the train are the have nots and they're trying to get to the front of the train uh where they in- where so they can get more food and you know basically move up in class and The whole thing is set up as sort of a class struggle. Uh, where chris evans is playing uh, sort of the lieutenant of the head of the uh have nots played by john hurt who's also had a really good year this year also being the war doctor on doctor who and uh ed harris is the engineer and then most of the time you, you end up meeting his little lieutenants. it's kind of like a video game with a boss battle and like um oh my god i'm blanking on her name
1: Oh, the, the Tilda Tilda Sweet- Swinton yeah.
0: is uh, the spokesman of the engineer, and man, is she awesome in this movie! Uh, I like literally can't say enough things about this movie. It has so many cool twists. Um, the ending is really something. Uh,
1: I so I recommend going out. Yeah, so see seeing right that, right I, I when usually when I'm describing films, most of the time I like marry like two films together. I saw a lot of Old Boy, yeah, and The Cube, of, yeah, of all things. That's just what kept coming to mind. And I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah. it's a good movie.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed that. Just a came
1: lot. out of left field, just out of nowhere.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, one of the reasons, yeah, I picked it was just for that. Again, um, I, I do like social commentary in films. I like being able, I think that's a hallmark of science fiction, good science fiction. Yeah. And science fiction people have a hard time now with that. I've never been a huge fan, but a big part of it is because we are now bogged down in space fantasy. Yeah. And and that is just the realm. And I think that, because my favorite science fiction film probably the last 10 years is Children of Men. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, it, yeah. it just works on so many levels. And on this. I too, can see that being a lot like Snowpiercer. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that's actually where the analogy I was kind of going to draw it. But I like a post-apocalyptic thing. Everybody has... It's nice to finally see a different version Mm -hmm. of the end of the world. I mean, you know, it can still be desolate and all the things that you'd expect with the collapse of everything, of infrastructure and whatnot. But then to have it be that kind of um, device of a, a, you know, self sustained, never ending train on a loop and that that would become you know without getting too dante i mean a ring of hell itself like oh i'm sure that was intentional, intentional. yeah sure. but i mean you know it is Undertones. it's just well yeah because in dante the you know hell is frozen not on fire yeah, yeah. and there's no uh there's no growth there's yeah. no progression which is the end of humanity yeah so yeah and well, you get that in the scenes where like you the school teacher
1: scenes where the kids are
0: basically learning garbage
1: right yeah yeah but what the one thing that i appreciated about this because it was so saturated last year and i did like a majority of them was the the uh the young adult books being made into their films Mm -hmm. so you had divergent you had uh maze runner uh well the mockingjay also came out third one of that a part one of three of the four of the third um what else was there? There was a, there was like just a handful of stuff. There, there was Vampire the Academy,
2: a few others. Yeah. The Maze Runner actually just real quick was one I was surprised by. I yeah. expect that to be as good. Well, I almost as it had was. I almost yeah. had that on
1: my list. Yeah, that one that was, was actually actually, pretty actually well solid. done.
2: Yeah, so my last
0: two movies on my list are both horror movies in my opinion. So, well so I'll I'll get into those. The next movie on my list is a uh, Grand Piano. Um, And Grand Piano, it's a Eugenio Mira movie. And uh, it stars Elijah Wood as a uh, piano prodigy who, uh, basically, uh, he had had a falling from grace because uh, his mentor had had a piece called La Cinquette. It's the unplayable piece. And he tried to play it, and he couldn't do it. It was so hard, and it broke him. And his wife, uh, the the conductor, you know ledgerwood's character's wife becomes a successful actress so she's trying to get him back into being uh you know in the public eye so she stages an elaborate concert for him where he has to play his mentor's piano he's not going to play this piece but it's just a way for him to sort of get back out into the world after this crushing Mm -hmm. artistic (laughs) defeat and then it gets to right before he's about to play he's given uh the sheet music for this uh for this uh piece that he couldn't play and he tosses it away and then he gets a phone call on his phone and there's an assassin played by john cusack who uh has it set so he's going to kill elijah wood's wife in her private box if he doesn't play that piece note perfect and um, you find out why as you watch the movie but um, it, it's just a simple little movie and man it keeps you on the edge of your seat and it's one of those few movies that I really appreciate because the entire movie is actually driven by music and it's super tense it hmm. feels like an old Hitch- Hitchcock movie and um, just the, and it has a lot of really cool, inspired casting. Um, the the assassin's hitman, uh, hitman's accomplice, is played by Alex Winter, who's super creepy in this movie, um, and John Cusack, who's part is mostly done in voiceover and he's just like killing it he just feels like he's permeating evil the entire time and how he's like taunting elijah wood the entire time well, I've he's never playing heard the of piano really it came funny. out it came out in january oh okay so um it's on netflix i think but it's really good hmm. i can't i can't recommend it wholeheartedly yeah, and
1: everyone popped up in my uh recommendations either
0: so So, yeah check that out out. grand piano with elijah wood and i'm going to get to my the top pick on my best movie this year and i feel like this is the best horror movie that came out all year and it is gone girl and um gone girl if you haven't seen it has a ben affleck and a rosamund pike in it and they're a married couple and um you know their marriage is in trouble and uh he's you know ben affleck he lost his job and he's had to move back home to missouri because uh his mom was dying and she passes away and they're both low on money there's money problems and he goes he goes home one day and his wife is missing and you know as as the uh, elaborate search goes on because it turns out uh rosamund pike's character um her parents started a series of children's books based on her called amazing Amy. And so it becomes this huge national story. And as the story progresses, you slowly start to realize like, Oh my God, Ben Affleck might've killed this woman. You see all these reasons for motivations and halfway through, there's like this giant plot twist. that just like freaks you the fuck Mm -hmm. out. And then it's, you'd say, well, this sounds just like a drama. Once you watch the movie, it is totally a horror movie. Okay. It has at least four of the freakiest things I have ever seen it happen in a movie. Like ever, I've watched this movie more than once. Three of these things every time they happen, I'm just like, "Oh my god!" Ah, <laughs> and it's it's a horror movie in the exact same sense that Rosemary's Baby and Silence of the Lambs are horror movies. Hmm. Just hmm. like I've never heard it described. Like yeah, so it's just very like I've always just avoided it for just see, no.
2: And, and it's extreme,
0: it. and I'm not I'm not even gonna shy away for it. It's very gory. The scenes that uh, of uh, you know violence in this movie are like very disturbing and visceral and to me it's like i said i feel it's much much more scary than like a uh, rosemary's baby or silence of the lambs and it's that same kind of sociopathic psychopathic character and then the last third act is just like horrifying it's just like you're just sitting it's like the whole movie just gives you this palpable sense of moral
2: terror as you're watching you're like my god this could happen to anybody wow. but you know that's oh. interesting did you ever read the book no okay because that's that's one thing is that i was actually gonna go see that on friday i'm very disappointed that i didn't now not only because of this excellent recommendation but um you know it's just one of those ones i actually really i wouldn't see. recommend seeing it with like a girlfriend or wife or anything <laughs> <laughs> no i think it was that the my main motivation to go see that movie actually was because of how much i enjoyed um and I, i'm not they not parallel and stuff but how much i liked gone baby gone a few years back Mm -hmm. and i definitely not an exact one but it just uh, i like because he's the director as well right on this one no 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 it's david fincher oh is this fincher's one okay because i couldn't remember that but um you know he's kind of gone back and forth with being the actor director Mm -hmm. and both and um i just think you know it's it's that's another guy who's come back you know we've talked about this now with keanu reeves tom cruise it's interesting how ben affleck is the ultimate like douchebag kind of guy has completely reinvented himself as an actor and a director. No. And that, that, that's one of the things
0: I really enjoy about this movie. It's just like, you know, it really plays off the fact that you have this idea of Ben Affleck as like this asshole. And he's just playing a guy who just is in this situation. Like, Oh yeah. I'm like in a failing business and my wife is missing. And then like, you know, people perceive him like, why is he so nice? Or why is he, you know, it's not acting like someone whose wife is missing and then it really plays into the plot. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So yeah, those are my top five movies. And just to keep, keep in the abreast of what everyone's doing, my honorable mentions were Joe Dorowski's Dune, Frank, Coherence, Guardians of the Galaxy, X-Men Days of Future Past, and The Purge Anarchy.
2: Oh, well, interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Both mm-hmm. great lists. well
1: we kind of hit our hour mark we're a little bit over
0: yeah so Um, we
1: could probably wrap up this yeah so
0: we'll this will just be our best of 2014 and then uh we'll follow that up with one we i guess we'll record it right after this about some of the other things on our list here like stuff we were disappointed by things we're looking forward to yeah dig a little deeper yeah exactly Um, like more along the lines of what we usually do like our best uh, underground or unseen classic so um, stay tuned for that one that'll be our our next podcast
1: you can find more episodes of cult following at cultfollowing.co find us on iTunes title music by John Mapes you can find him at johnmapes.com Don't forget about our Cult Classics AZ events, showing a cult classic movie every third Saturday of every month. Visit cultclassicsaz.com for more info. Thanks for listening.